Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. People of all sexual orientations and however you identify. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, May 17th, and I am here to eulogize the 2021-2022 Philadelphia 76ers. I have on my Sunday's best. I have a glass of whiskey in hand, and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to pour one out for this season. Sixers lost in six games to the Miami Heat, who are going on to the Eastern Conference Finals to face the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Boston Celtics. I'm sorry. I, I automatically want to th- say the Bucks because I had money on Milwaukee. But anyway, joining me on the podcast to, to help me through this eulogy and uh, discuss how th- we feel things went this season and where we go from here. My old buddy, my pal, my homeboy. Dave Early, how you doing, Dave? I'm all right. I'm not sure if I'm going to help. I might actually make it worse, but we'll see. That that's fine. That's it's that's okay. If it the, it's always darkest before the dawn, or whatever the hell they said in uh, the the Dark Knight, or whatever the hell that movie was. Yeah, the Embiid's quoted that before too. All right, let's start this off by just giving our thoughts about how certain people in the organization did, and just. Just going from there. Daryl Morey, year two of Daryl Morey. I was still completely excited, even though the Simmons thing went the way it did. I was still excited because we still had Embiid. We had Tobias Harris. Say what you want about him, but I, I still love Tobias Harris. And then that first month of Tyrese Maxey, where we just saw what was there with this kid. And I enjoyed it so much. So going into the season, I thought Daryl did a really decent job navigating the roster as best he could with about $40 million sitting on the bench. Any, any final thoughts on Daryl Morey? Uh, I guess the one issue, I think we've talked about this once or twice before, when talking about a guy's leadership's you know, stewarding, shepherding, however you want to say it, through the Ben Simmons situation, we got to point some blame up top for that situation. Yes. So Daryl Morey has, to his credit, he said, we've all, we all had to look in the mirror. Jerome Weitzman had some reporting about how when he came in, he started to do with Joel Embiid in Philly, what he did with James Harden in Houston was that's make him the guy. He went to lunch with him. He played doubles tennis with him. Uh, I think, Daryl would probably admit he didn't offer that same, you know, situ, you know, that same like arm of friendship, that, that, that same arm around the shoulder to Ben Simmons. And that led to, you know, some of what we saw, were there ways to have, 
you know, maybe more quietly traded him without any kind of holdout, maybe continuing to get him to play in the lineup. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know how much of it is Daryl's uh, falls on Daryl's shoulders. I do know reading some of the stuff that came out about his trip to Rich Paul's house with Doc Rivers was hilarious. It was like <laughs> Daryl came out with statistical data points about how he and Joel actually work well together offensively, not just defensively. And then Ramona Sheldon was like, and when it was Doc's turn, he appealed to Ben's sense of obligation pointing to his contract, which is the polite way of saying what Jake Fisher reported. He was like, you fucking signed the contract. Wow. So, <laughs> so I, I think some of this stuff has not worked great. And some of that is related to Ben Simmons, but that's just an example. It's also like, well, then you signed DeAndre Jordan. I don't know what you thought was going to happen with that, but you might not have been on the same page with Doc Rivers if you believed upon signing Jordan that he was going to play him exclusively at the expense of your other options. Some of this stuff should fall on Daryl's shoulders when we're grading him. He gets full credit for Tyrese Maxey. That's sensational. I mean, this kid could be an all-star. Right. He should get a lot of credit for the ascension we've seen Joel Embiid. I mean, when he inherited this team, Embiid was – People were saying he's always out of shape. If he can ever get in shape and stay healthy, who knows? He, and we've seen that now, basically two years running, the best version of Joel we've ever seen. He deserves credit. He brought in Danny Green. He brought in Seth Curry. That changed the offense. That helped him become a better passer. Doc Rivers changed some of the places he plays on the floor. He wasn't spotting up as much. So Daryl deserves credit for a lot of that stuff. He also um, brought in uh, out-of-sight legend Andre Drummond. So there's also that. Yeah, and, and Doc will be quick to say that that was a key part of my own signing. I, I recruited him. I wanted him here. Um, so, so all right. all, mixed all, bag, but mostly good. All, all this uh, thoughts about Doc Rivers and commenting about Doc Rivers. Uh, he's next. Uh, year two of Doc Rivers. Uh, I'm going to quote Mr. Horse from Ren and Stimpy. No, sir, I didn't like it. Was not was not my favorite. The rotations were not good. The, uh, the how he handled uh, offensive flow and uh, working the the team and just doing what he was able to do. Great, got the fourth seed in the East, even though the Sixers started off blazingly hot. How how much of it is on Doc this season versus? Maury's construction of the roster, I wonder. Ah, uh, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, it's a tough question because I feel like it's it's kind of tandem because like Daryl gave Doc these tools, and maybe Doc didn't know how to use them all correctly or efficiently. I, I will say uh the 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 Tobias plus all bench. That was just such that was just so hilarious and horrible both at the same time. And I we talked about this all of la most of last season. And it just it just continued and it just kept coming back. I get it. You don't have your all-star quote unquote point guard and all NBA defender Ben Simmons, but good coaches know how to figure things out. They can adapt and adjust. But I just feel like that's that's just not Doc's game anymore. Yeah, I don't think that Daryl and Doc make each other better, if that's an okay way to say it. Um, Doc deserves 
a ton of credit for the first half of the season. Like when they, when we had low expectations, that's kind of when doc thrives. That's when Joel was carrying this team. You know, he was getting terrific production out of Niang. Right. Um, and that's when some of the signings that they made at one point, even Furkan Korkmaz was balling very early in the season. Um, yeah. I was and, very happy about that being the sole uh, proprietor of Korkmaz Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you look at him from that point of view, he was Doc was great. The problem is when you suddenly have championship aspirations and then you, you start grading on a curve and then everything gets exponentially harder. And obviously it's more difficult of a challenge because you don't have a ton of time to ramp up. You don't have a ton of continuity. James Harden may not be fully healthy and that's often makes the coach look bad if you can't just continue to call Harden and bead pick and rolls. Right. By the end, if you would have kept calling hard and be pick and rolls, I don't think either guy would have made the fit, the finish line. It would have looked like the SpongeBob meme. <laughs> um, so grading everyone is really hard, man. It's it's tough. Like, could Daryl have found some way? I mean, you see these guys playing good basketball. You look back, at Grant Williams, who I think was he involved in the Matisse Abel trade? Was that who the Celtics took with the subsequent pick? I believe um, so. Yes. So, you know, they could have got found and developed a guy like that and maybe found a two-way player instead of the one-way player they took going in on the defense that Matisse Thabo brings. Uh, that, that even predates Daryl Morey, though, I believe, right? And then you've got uh, – you've seen P.J. Tucker find new life. I think the Bucks at one point traded a first-round pick for him. Most likely the Sixers would have liked P.J. Tucker last year, but they couldn't get him because – Tillman Fertitta wasn't willing to work with Daryl, right? Uh, I think that was... I think that was the reporting, yes. But someone like that, maybe maybe a Bobby Portis, some guy who could give them decent two-way production, and they, they've had a tough time doing that. Um, well, the, the Morris twins are going to be free agents, I believe. Yeah, but Marcus is a little expensive, and Marquise hasn't been in, in the rotation with his injuries, so who knows, but... Yeah, I guess Markeith is is an eye you might consider here. Um, Shake, you know, didn't provide a, a big punch down the stretch. Matisse, Shake was not what he was last season, and that that really hurt bench production. Yeah, Matisse was giving you nothing on offense. Niang was giving you nothing on defense. Bolsonaro <laughs> wasn't really playable. Uh, Danny was awesome, but eventually got hurt, and that's tragic. Um. And, of course, Jaden Springer is a rookie, so Doc's not going to play him. Bassey didn't get minutes. Paul Reed, who we've been yelling about, should get minutes, never really got minutes. Yeah, are you, are you looking for grades here on Daryl and Doc? Is that like not, not necessarily Not necessarily grades, but just like thoughts and opinions, pretty much. Because grading is just like, grading is one of those like hacky sports things that I don't really like to do. Uh, per- percentages I'm all about, but grades not so much. Like I'm just looking for honest opinions here. Let me say that I'm I'm a sl- somewhat disappointed in Maury, given my expectations upon them signing him in the first place. True. Um, I had higher hopes, to be honest, and some of that I think might be tied into the head coach he inherited and them not being the great fit. For example, what if Paul Reed is pretty good, and what if? Having played him from the start, we would feel differently about this rotation and Daryl Morey right now. So, you know, I want to give him some benefit of the doubt. Um, 
Doc, I feel less good about. Doc, if they made the change to move on from him yesterday, I would have been totally fine. Didn't love the, the hiring to begin with, and I like it even less two years into the, um, the tenure. He's not a terrible coach. I don't think he deserves to be fired because he very well may have made consecutive Final Fours if Joel Embiid was healthy in both of those years. So I get it. But he still doesn't do much to inspire me to say this is the guy to get us over the hump the next two years moving forward because I feel like if you take on Doc, there's some great things there. But then there's also the four very predictable mistakes that you and I could pinpoint in November. Yeah. Major problems in April. And it's like, who are we to, to point the finger at that? Let's let's move on to some more positive things. Um, Joel Embiid, MVP. I don't care what the sports writer said. I don't care what the voter said. Joel Embiid was the MVP this season. If you disagree with me, if you're a Nuggets fan and you follow my Twitter for whatever reason, come in my menchies. I don't care. <laughs> Last season, fine. Jokic, 1,000% the MVP. This year, no basketball player in the league was more dominant, was more uh, vital to their team and the success of that team than Joel Embiid. Embiid had the numbers. He had the health. He had the games. He finally had it all together. And somehow he was still denied. But that's not to say that we can't enjoy what was a insanely great Joel Embiid season. I agree with you. I think he was the MVP. I think when you consider a guy, a player's two-way impact, the, the two best players this season were Joel and Giannis. Yes. And I, I would give it to Joel because Giannis played – you know, Middleton and Drew Holiday won them conference finals games without Giannis in the lineup last year. They're good. And he had them for like 4,000 minutes. Joel didn't have that much help. He only got like 18 games with James Harden. Was it 20 games? So. Between- and then he, he also got whatever you get from Tobias Harris on a night to night basis. Yeah. And Tobias had a rough year. He, he had a, a bad COVID uh, about he had, I think, a shoulder injury at one point. He might have had a hip. He wasn't healthy. We were talking about him coming on late and finding his his rhythm towards the middle of the season. I think and then, the COVID and the shoulder were like kind of at the same time frame. It, right. And as soon as he started feeling healthy, they made the change and brought in Harden, which you know dramatically altered his role. So he had another hurdle to tackle. And by the time he he like got back on his game, playing some of the best ball of his career it was the first round of the playoffs so yeah i think joel was the mvp this season tobias harris let's just move on to tobias harris i i do acknowledge what you say about him starting off slow and then getting over that hurdle but if this playoff run should be educational in any way it's that tobias harris can is still a really good two-way player maybe he's not good in what you're paying him but Tobias Harris on this team I think is better than not having him because of the simple fact that you know what if Tobias isn't in the lineup I get it people wanted Jimmy Butler to stay people wanted uh Jimmy here in this town I get that but Tobias Harris this playoff season wasn't bad it's just that he and Joel and Maxi got no real help, and that's including from James Harden. 
Yeah, to, to Harris's credit, he came on just when they needed him to the most. Uh, did a great job against Siakam. He was probably the most consistent sixer in that first round because Joel had a couple bad games due to injury. Yes. Um, and he wasn't quite as impactful in the second round, and Jimmy Butler, you know, played like a top five player in the NBA. That's what hurts the most, I think, probably. Yep, and uh, it it made Harris, by contrast, as Jim is happy to tell you about after the series, uh, look worse because of the way that all played out a few years ago. Um, which I'm like, which I'm like, settle down, Jimmy. Just calm down a second. Just re- <laughs> relax. Take take that up with ownership. Take that up with Al Horford. I mean, it wasn't Tobias. <laughs> um, yeah, take that up with Al Horford for real. That that's. Take it out with Al Horford in the conference finals. That's what you do. Yeah. So I, but ultimately, I think that the Sixers would probably be better off if they could move on from Harris. You do. Okay. I do. Um, you've seen a little bit of scuttlebutt today as we record this in, you know, open using his contract to move off to open up another max contract and pursue a guy like people are speculating Bradley Beal or some, you know, Brian Winhurst talking about some mystery team. If they didn't move up in the lottery, who knows? Some <laughs> so that has people wondering about SGA or Damian Lillard and of course Beal. Um, so those are some dream scenarios for the Sixers that would come at Harris's expense. And I think Harris played himself just enough into that territory where the Sixers actually have the assets to move off of him if they wanted to, if they needed to. Whereas if you asked me this back in March, I would have said, I don't know that the Sixers can get off of him using one draft pick. And I don't, I don't think that they would consider using two. So they'll keep him. Um, but now I think he's been just good enough where someone could say two years, 80 million, a good player plays both ends of the floor. He's a we can live with that. professional. <laughs> we could live with that. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey uh, should have been a stronger candidate for most improved player. But I mean, when, when you're going up against John Morant, I, there's not much you can do. Um, Maxey, I, I believe now is untouchable. Uh, Embiid, Maxey, those are your two guys. Everybody else. Hey, I'll at least pick up the phone. Well, with a few of the names that I just floated, I, I wouldn't say that he's entirely untouchable knowing this team president. Uh, you know, if Portland said, we want Maxie and Tobias and we'll give you Dame, I think uh, Daryl would do that. I would think he would look at the timeline of James and Joel and say, the, the chances that Bradley Beal is going to be better than Tyrese Maxie this coming year are, are pretty damn high. So I'll roll with it. Uh, what... Um... What injury is uh, Lillard coming off of? I can't remember. Did he have core muscle? Was it oblique? One of those. One, one of those crazy stomach muscles. Uh, that doesn't give you pause at all? Not even a little bit? I don't think so. I, uh, no, I mean, he's not, like, he's not like Marshawn Lynch where you're really worried about the tail end of his running back career. You know? True. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. But I don't know. I'd have to look, I'd have to look a little further into it if I were about to pull the trigger on a blockbuster deal. Um, but it doesn't strike me like something that Danny Green is dealing with right now, where I wouldn't expect him to be himself next year, his first year back. Now we get to James Harden. 
And if I were grading, I don't, I don't grade, but if I were grading, I would call it incomplete because still not a thousand percent sure if he's in shape, not a thousand percent sure what that hamstring injury really did to his production. Is James Harden, is he, is he a viable option going into next season? I don't know. Maybe unless you get some, a bunch of new shooters in here with him, but if people are expecting, and this has been said a thousand times, if people are expecting MVP Harden, that's just not that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I am fine with that. I agree. Um, I don't know what you mean by viable option. Like, I mean, I mean viable in the sense that, like, unless uh, unless they truly believe that Harden and B Maxi will just say that without trade without trades. Does does that core coming back, does that really do anything? Or is it just more of the same next season? Because I feel like it's more of the same next season. Yeah, it's not inspiring if you just imagine what we just saw a year later. Right. But I suppose the the upside would be, you know, Chris Paul dating back to 2018, he did the hamstring and then he dealt with them off and on to the other hamstring the following year. Right. And then he was right back to all NBA status when he got to Oklahoma. Um, what he really needed was some, some time to not play competitive basketball. I guess you could look at it. Um, That's possible. But then they turned out pretty competitive and they had that really uh, exciting series in the bubble against Houston. Remember it took a, like a James Harden block on little door to advance. Chris yeah, Paul that was, was yeah, that was that was that was crazy. Chris Paul willed that Oklahoma City team to the playoffs. That was all Chris Paul, okay? Yeah, so if he gets on that program, I don't know if that's the vegetarian diet, I don't know if that's the Simon Rice Sixers VP of Health and Care or whatever uh program of running up the stadium stairs. I don't know if he uh, needs time off and then a slow ramp up, but if he could remake him, his hamstrings and remake his body, uh, and get back to some of it because we got to bake in some of this is probably simply father time. And some of it is probably legit. The hamstrings. Yeah. We don't, we don't know what breakdown that is. If he completely heals from the hamstrings, father time is still ticking. So maybe he's losing that battle continuously anyway, but does, the idea does that it, he better does it kind than, of matter if, uh, Maury's the one in his ear. Cause more, loves James Harden. We know this. Yeah. Uh, I think, Maury will probably have a good sense of where things are at. I mean, you'd like to think maybe you could argue the opposite and say he's the least objective. He's going to <laughs> go down with the ship regardless. And you need someone else to step in and say, this is not a good thing. Um, but I, I don't see what real, you know, I hear people saying I'm upset about his potential future contract, but I haven't heard a lot of wonderful alternatives. Like, you don't want him to opt out and walk. You don't want him to opt in and then leave next year because then Joel right. is going to quickly get a wandering eye if he doesn't even have a point guard. So what is the answer? And I think as a Sixers fan, what we should be hoping for right now is that he opts out, restructures, comes up with one of those $30 million per year type of deals that Kyle Lowry got that allows the Sixers to maybe open up some cap space around him also. Um, maybe a three plus one, a two plus one, or whatever he'd be comfortable signing, basically saying you're still going to get a max. It's just not going to be this 257 million, 70, 
$270 million max that you were originally hoping, but this way, and he has already admitted that he'd be willing to work with something like this, um, something like that, where he gets a little bit less and the Sixers can do a little bit more around him. A Tom if, Brady that's, deal. if that's true, that would certainly help the last point before we take a break. Uh, the, the bench is, was there anything that we need to say about the bench other than it was just absolutely horrible after the, after the Harden trade, like not having Seth Curry, not having Andre Drummond. I, I feel like that really hurt him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all you have. To, that's all you really need to say on the matter. That's really <laughs> all you have to say. Cause there was not one playable option outside of the starting five in that series against Miami. Not Korkmaz, not Thibault, not Milton. P- Paul Reeb may be the only one, but o- outside of that, I'm quoting aliens. And I'm, I'm, I'm nuking the rest of the bench and starting over. Yeah, it, the, the bench was really hurt, and uh, I wonder how inevitable it was. Like, you know, the team did not do a lot of regular season experimentation involving a playoff viable backup big. If you inserted Paul Reed from day one going yes. back to November, you know, with, with the idea in mind that, yeah, Drummond's really good, but you saw how he looked against Boston for Brooklyn. He wasn't very playable in that series. So if you were worried about things like that, you might have started ramping up Reed from the get-go or maybe Bassie, or maybe at least you learn by then that, Daryl, you better swing a trade. You better get someone else back while you make your blockbuster because – it's possible there's some combination of Danny Green and Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed and James Harden that could have worked in spurts if Joel was healthy that they never found. Um, but yeah, bench just not good enough. And, and you look at these other teams that are still standing; their benches are pretty good. Let's take a let's take a little break. Let's uh, re- readjust and recenter ourselves a little bit, and just talk about the future and where do we go from here. It's the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find all of your Voss Media podcasts. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. We are eulogizing the 2021-2022 Philadelphia 76ers. I got Dave here with me, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is the Outside Podcast. We are eulogizing this year's Sixers. I have Dave on the line with me. And before we went to break, we kind of touched on some things. So let's just continue the, the hardened portion. So you think that the best course of action is like a one and one or two and one. Um, 
what if there's like I don't know who would do this. Maybe there isn't a viable team candidate. I mean, there's always one. Just ask Sacramento Kings fans. There's always one team crazy enough to do it. Uh, Harden sign and trade. I just uh, don't know. I just don't know who the target would be. Yeah, I just for so many reasons, I don't think it's even a consideration here. I think the Sixers would prefer him to opt out and restructure. I think that works for Harden too. If, if you were James Harden, would you want to opt into the 48 and then take your chances that you have another year? Like if you were him and you play and it's you're in March and your hamstring pulls, yeah, you couldn't expect to get very much money next summer. So if the Sixers will say, we'll give you uh, a three-year $90 million deal, that's got to look pretty tempting, right? Or, or a three plus one, $120 million. That's got to look pretty tempting too. Just, just killing, just, just killing my heart into Minnesota for uh, D'Angelo Russell sign and trade idea, Dave. Just, just killing it. Just go ahead, just murder it. Just uh, fine, I'm, fine. I would have murdered that upon arrival. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was talking to my, I was talking to my brother about this, who's an in and out Sixers fan. Um, but like. His main argument, I mean, it's kind, it's it's kind of flawed. It's 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 kind of one pointed. I I grant that, but D'Angelo Russell will shoot in the fourth quarter. I'm just like, eh, you're you're not wrong, but at the same time, like, do you trade Harden for somebody like that? I I don't know if I do that. I don't well, know if did. I'm I don't know if I'm that desperate. Jesus, he was significantly worse in the postseason than Harden was. Yes, do you really, do you really want him? He did. He averaged 12 points, shooting 33% from the floor. Like the, it, and, you know, Towns was a no-show, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I'm good on D'Lo. <laughs> you're good on D'Angelo Russell? You're okay oh, with that? All right, that's fine. Uh, I mean, clearly the Warriors are not giving up Clay Thompson, which is just my wet dream come to life. But uh, anyway. Um, they're not even giving you Wiggins at this point. They're not giving us Wiggins, which is a damn shame. That, that's, just, that's just depressing. Um. Tobias Harris, you said that the interest level is kind of growing. And I'm wondering where that might lead to, honestly. Like, I just don't know what kind of team could use somebody like Tobias Harris. Well, if I were the New York Knicks and I wanted to pivot for my Julius Randle (laughs) endeavor, maybe that. That has to be a three-team trade. I'm not doing – we're not doing Julius Randle in this town. We're not doing uh, you, you wanted interest, not necessarily interest that you're interested in. Um, well, most people always bring up the Oklahoma City Thunder's graveyard cap space. Yes. So uh, if, I, if I, I'd be okay that, with that. <laughs> you'd have to use Matisse Thibel, maybe, maybe you draft a player 22nd 23rd overall because Brooklyn defers their option in the, the pick that they have obtained via the Ben Simmons trade. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you trade whoever you select along with Matisse and shake and Harris and some future asset. Right. You just simply get the cap space to then pursue someone like a Zach Levine or Bradley Beal. Um, maybe two players who make a certain amount of money. I'm not sure. So we're, we're talking about death, and that leads me to my, my last little uh, 
how, how do you feel about this? Uh, so I'm going to rattle off some names. Some names have bird rights. Some, some don't. Did you say uh, we're talking about death or depth? Death. Death. <laughs> D-E-P-T-H. Got it. Dave. Got it. Well, because we're doing the eulogy pod. Okay. But all right. Death. D-E-P-T-H. Like depth charges. Okay. <laughs> um, so the first three names, they have bird rights with their current teams, which means that uh, the teams that they're on now can sign them for more money. Gary Harris. You want me to weigh in? Yes. <laughs> Gary uh, Harris. I kind of like that idea. Of, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I was trying to pick guys that wouldn't be inorbitately expensive. Like guys where like, because Danny Green's money is coming off the books, maybe we could s- slide him in somewhere. I, I think you don't even have this amount of money to work with. I think you're looking at like, MLE, MLE at most, yeah, either the nine million or the five million, and then vet min type of deals, maybe a two or three million. I don't think you're going to get a guy for twelve million dollars here. I, um, I think I, I think Gary Harris falls under that category of MLE at this point in his career. It's possible you could get a guy like that for five million bucks, or yeah, or nine, yeah, for sure. Jeremy Lamb also bird rights. I'm out on both of these guys because I'm not sure. You're Damn, getting, I'm not sure you're getting like if I had five or nine. I, these are like, this is my only uh, exception to use. I need a guy who can play both ends of the floor. Like, you know. Then, then I guess my next name is also out, Lou Williams. Yeah, easily out. I don't need, uh, I don't need a defensive liability who's not a lethal jump shooter. All right. These players are completely free. UFAs. Otto Porter Jr. Yeah, I'm tempted. Like, you basically be paying him a vet min. So, all right, I got one. I got <laughs> one. Jesus, I'll take it. I'll take one. All right. Uh, getting a little creative with this one, Malik Monk. I believe that the that the Lakers can pay to keep him. Right? Don't they have? His... They do not have bird rights on Malik Monk. Interesting. Okay. Well, he's probably. I checked. I double checked. <laughs> he's probably not going to come for the amount the Sixers are going to offer him. Damn it. All right. I'm fine. thinking from his point of view, he'd probably want opportunity. I mean, you look at the True. team with Maxi, Harden. But if if Monk takes the shake minutes, however. From the Sixers P- POV, I, I like it. I think it could work. I mean, if you're giving him 4 or $5 million and he's willing to take that, uh, could be a good value. But from his point of view, I think it's a no. I, I wrote it down and immediately crossed it off. Dennis Schroeder, I immediately crossed that off after I wrote it down. I was like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, I, I don't think they – it's a mutual fit. I think the Sixers want a 3 and D player in this mold if they could get one. If they have only $5 million or $9 million to offer, I think they'd like more defense or more three-point shooting. Would you be more – would you be more excited if Paul Reed was just a full-time backup center, or do you think the Sixers should spend a little money on a, a different backup center? Because I have two in mind. Give me the two. I'll tell you then. Uh, one is Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside was a positive plus-minus in his team. So was JaVale McGee, for that matter. So was um, JaVale McGee, who's also a UFA. Boy, I, I don't know if – I don't. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do uh, Joel and JaVale on the same team. 
but so, but you, as a Sixers fan, you're always trying to fill the non-embed minutes and not lose badly. So if True. you see a guy like McGee, who has multiple championships on his resume, you see a guy like Whiteside and you say, well, how are they winning the non-Gobert minutes with Whiteside on the floor? Right. I guess it's because Mitchell's occupying all of those minutes and they're regular season minutes. So it's not like you're playing elite competition anyway. Maybe it's just good enough. And, um, and last but not least, Andre Drummond is a UFA. How about that? Yeah, if Whiteside or Drummond were willing to come for the $2 million that Daryl has gotten Dwight and Andre for you, you got to consider that. But you, you'd have the age-old conundrum of this guy is going to get all the backup big minutes and that's going to limit all of their creativity. And once the playoffs come, these guys are not going to be viable options, but it won't matter. Doc Rivers will play them. So that's the age-old conundrum that Sixers fans have dealt with with these types of bigs who don't switch or shoot. Well, we, we have eulogized this team as effectively and as efficiently as we could. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to thank Dave for joining me. Uh, my, my glass of whiskey is empty, and I don't necessarily want to fill it back up because I, I, just, I just don't. I've, I've consumed enough this season. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it was a fun season, another fun off season on the horizon. We'll, we'll just see what happens. What was, your, what was your season highlight? Uh, Number one funnest moment. Andre Drummond, no look behind the back pass. Mm. I, I, I just loved it so much. How, how about you? Maybe it was, um, was Maxi out dueling John Morant. I have the most random celebratory positions about this team. It's ridiculous, I know. Um, Dave always oh Joel shot Joel's three Sorry. oh Joel's three that's right how did I forget that Jesus Christ um I blocked the playoffs already that's why that good point <laughs> uh Dave always fun talking to you thank you for joining me on this eulogy and uh yeah anything for you coming down the pipeline um and anything looking forward to in the conference finals I am looking forward to someone eliminating the Boston Celtics. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm all about, I hate watching the damn Miami Heat. That's what I'm doing. I'm rooting for Jimmy Butler to beat Jason Tatum. I'm rooting for Luka to eliminate the Warriors. I would, like, I would like to see Butler versus Doncic in the finals. That would be fun. Uh, Dave, always a pleasure having you on the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to trust the process and we'll just see what happens going into the 2022, 2023 season. Uh, best of luck to us, I guess. And, uh, Dave, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Trust the process. All righty. stories to keep you up at night it was an ordinary work day until the singapore presentation is at 3 a.m the office was shocked but that's when we sleep maya made it less scary with canva (laughs) i'll just record my presentation so singapore can watch it anytime record and present anytime with canva presentations at canva.com designed for work 